Who are they? How did they get here and where are they now? I'm Tyson Chastain, Director of Alumni Relations with Johnson University, and this is the Sojournal Podcast. The Sojournal Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University and is brought to you by the Alumni Association. Whether you graduated from Central Florida Bible College, Johnson Bible College, Florida Christian College, or Johnson University, you are a part of the alumni family. Join the Alumni Association and help encourage and equip alumni and students as they pursue kingdom-focused vocations. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash alumni. Today, we're joined in the Sojournal podcast by 2004 and 2005 graduates, Randall and Laura Tanini. Randall and Laura, welcome to the Sojournal Podcast. Hey, Tyson. Thank hey. you for having us. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you guys taking the time to join us. We are actually in a major time zone difference. So I'm here <laughs> in my office in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and you all are where? We are in San Diego, California. San Diego, California. So three hours away. Well, I guess it'd be more than three hours away, but three hours are worth of time. Yeah, yeah. I guess we're like middle of the road, not too, too far away. We're not Japan or on the other side right. of the world, other side of the country. So, well, I appreciate you guys uh, flexing your time to join me tonight. So this is going to be fun. We'll enjoy this conversation. To get started, Randall and Laura, would you mind giving a general introduction of yourselves to those in the audience who do not know Randall and Laura Tanini? Yeah, so like you said, we, we graduated from Johnson. Um, I graduated with my preaching youth ministry degree, 2005. Uh, my wife, Laura, um, we met at Johnson. She graduated uh, with her teacher education degree, got her master's at Johnson. We got married right after college. We met in college. We were on a travel team together, and I did an internship and after college, she worked at Starbucks for a little bit, and then we just kind of got into our uh, ministry professions right after that. So I was doing youth ministry. She was doing uh, teaching. And then uh, about eight years ago, I uh, moved out to San Diego to plant a church called Grace City Church. Yeah, we've been here now, and the church just turned seven. But yeah, we've been out here for, for eight years. Wow, that's great. Uh, now, the name of the church again is Grace City? Yeah, Grace City. It's, yeah, this the area of San Diego we live in is University City. Our hope is that people experience the grace of God um, as they meet Jesus um, at our church. Well, we'll get into that, uh, that whole transition being, you know, a, a preaching graduate and then in youth ministry and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Be interesting to hear your story that got you out to San Diego and into the work that you're doing. To get yeah. started, though, uh, tell me about you know your childhood. So, uh, Laura, I'll start with you. Where were you born and raised? I say that I was born and raised in the Northeast. I was born in New Haven, Connecticut, at Yale Hospital. It's a it's a fun little tidbit of information. <laughs> and I, I lived in Long Island, New York, and grew up in um, South Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia. So most of my, my mom's side of the family is all in New York. And then my dad's side of the family is in Tennessee. So we would, um, I grew up in the Northeast, but I would spend the summers down at camp at Smoky Mountain Christian Camp and uh, uh, spend family there. So that was, um, that was a, a really pivotal time in my spiritual growth, uh, my adolescence, just learning what it was like to uh, be part of a youth group because in the northeast where I was from in particular there weren't um, a lot of churches that I would that I could really plug into and so mm -hmm. I didn't have a youth group we would we would go but there wasn't a real strong community there especially um, as I was going through middle school and high school I, I really those formative years I really needed that community so that Spooky Mountain Christian Camp and my dad's side of the family in Tennessee really was instrumental and then it was just a hop, skip, and a jump to Johnson from there. Good. So Northeast, wow. And Randall, where were you born and raised? Yeah, born in Honolulu, Hawaii. And uh, my family moved to the Midwest when I was like five. 
And then from there, grew up in Indianapolis and met uh, Jed Fuller, who ended up telling me about Johnson. And so he was the one who actually invited me to church. And then I got, uh, God saved me. And then from there, felt called to ministry when I was 17 years old. So yeah, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but my parents really love me and they're very supportive and encouraging. And so, yeah, they didn't really quite get me going into ministry, but um, <laughs> ended up just being my whole family, just being really supportive. I've got two brothers and um, they're, they're all great, really close, close knit family, but a lot of my family is still in Hawaii. And then uh, the nice thing about being in San Diego is we're about six hours from my parents because they live in Arizona now. Close to, so I didn't mention this, but we have three kids as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big part of our lives. <laughs> They're so quiet now. Yeah, we totally yeah. forgot about them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you were saying that, yeah, raised in Hawaii and, or yeah, born in Hawaii, raised in Indianapolis. And so yeah. did, was faith a part of your family at all before Jed Fuller invited you to church? The only real influence I had was my grandmother in Hawaii. And so when I would go visit, she would be the one who um, would take take us to church. And then also, mm -hmm. I just remember when I was really young, her praying for us. Mm -hmm. um, but my parents, you know, they, I think my mom at one point very early on in her life, and as she was growing up in the high school, like would go to church, but um, it wasn't a big part of their lives and they weren't opposed to it, but I think uh, just for them, it just wasn't, it just didn't stick, you know? And so for me, I, I always felt a draw to know who God was mm -hmm. and uh, the way I, you know, would look at, look at how it all worked out for me was just that God brought the right person in my life at the right time where I, I just really felt in, a need to to know who God was um, so I was like 15 16 years old but yeah that just that one invitation uh, changed my life so Laura how about you you were raised in the uh, northeast uh, if you will so tell me about your early childhood and the faith situation that you were raised in um, after graduating from Johnson, my parents, they jumped into ministry. They were doing youth ministry in Atlanta and then ended up going to Connecticut, which is where I was born, my brother and I. Uh, at the same time, I think I fell down the stairs a good bit and they found chiropractic care. And so my dad fell in love with chiropractic care. So um, he decided to change courses and we, we moved to Davenport, Iowa. And it was during that time too that uh, my parents ended uh, their marriage. They ended up um, divorcing amicably though. They stayed, uh, we all kind of stayed together but there was just a lot going on. We were moving states. And like I said, he was going through a, a, a complete career transition. And then my mom got into a car accident which she never recovered from. So that was all at the by the age of five. So mm. there was a lot going on. Then the next couple years, uh, a lot of, of my family stepped in. So I moved to Long Island with my grandparents. They were raising us with my, with my brother too. And then we moved to Philadelphia where my father's mom, my grandma Gwen, who is a big part at Johnson. She was a dean of men and dean of women. She is just such a faithful woman of God, was a faithful, is a faithful woman of God. She's no longer here on earth, but... So she helped raise us. And then once we finally got settled, going to church was not, was not a, something that was, was a routine. I don't think we ever really got a community. Uh, my relationship with Christ really developed during my time spent in Tennessee, going to Smoky Mountain Christian Camp and being around my Uncle Spencer, my Aunt Patty, and all of my cousins. That was where I could really learn and grow what it was like to to be a, what it looked like to be a Christian, what it meant to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. I was asked all the hard questions and um, that really, I'd say not hard questions, but the, the clarifying questions to ask where mm -hmm. I was with my faith and 
that desire was so strong to have a relationship with Jesus. I just didn't know how to get there. But I remember joining Young Life and I remember asking, this is in high school, about scripture memorization. Like I wanted to, um, I wanted just to learn and understand the Bible. And our Young Life leaders were actually Catholic. So they were part of the Catholic church. And um, this was like pretty common where I was from. There was just a lot of wonderful God-fearing people. But then when it came down to different denominations, it was, it got murky. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I asked about, you know, Bible study, there wasn't a lot of support there for that. And they were probably learning and growing themselves as leaders, you know? And so um, I joined a group called the campaigners to try to, you know, learn more about scripture. And I really um, didn't get a lot. And so I remember there was a point yeah, my senior year, I remember so clearly um, it was a, a knife in the road or a fork in the road for my journey with Christ. And I felt like if I, if I don't pursue Johnson, then um, I had a very strong feeling I, I'm, I'm stepping away from this pursuit of, of Christ. And so mm. Laura, what, what was your maiden name? Um, Garner, Garner. Yeah, Garner. Laura, yeah. I go okay. by. Um, okay. Um, LA. Yeah, because you were saying you were saying uh, Uncle 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 Spencer and Aunt Pat, Uncle and it's like, Spencer, oh my goodness! I mean, the only Aunt people Pat. that are coming to my mind are Spencer yeah. and Pat Garner. Yeah, and then my mm. mom was Karen Adams. Uh huh. Um, so she went there. She was a Greek major back in the day. Yeah, lots of great memories there. In fact, I have all these wonderful Polaroids of them um, around campus in the seventies, and and then I have these letters. This is just really wild. Early in life, I didn't get to have my mom, but she wrote home. She wrote to her parents every Wednesday after chapel. So I Mm. have every single letter for four years, every Wednesday after chapel. And she, she wrote about her friends and what she did and, you know, all the local places and going spelunking in the local caves and who was (laughs) preaching and what she was learning. And, and it, it's just amazing. So I have these four shoe boxes just full of letters. So I'm very grateful for that because I can really see a lot of the lineage and a lot of the mm-hmm. tradition that is, is just a treasure. Right. Right. Well, my goodness, that was a lot. Randall, I need to come back to you and hear a little <laughs> bit more about your, uh, your childhood, your faith journey. So what was, I, I guess you were living in Indiana at the time. So tell me about how this all came about that you met Jed, started going to church. Uh, yeah, give me that development. Well, my brother, he became friends with um, Jed through a mutual friend. So we went to a public school. Jed and his brother were homeschooled. And so it was kind of a friend of a friend type of situation. And then he came over to the house one day. And my brother had kind of known that I'd like wanted to go to church. I didn't know where to or how to start. I remember mm. asking a guy one time in middle school, I was like, can, can I just, he was on the football team with me. I was like, can I just go to church with you? And he, he's like, he would talk about church all the time. And then he's like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how we'd work that out. So I never ended up going. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until high school. And then he just, Jed just came over to the house one day. and was like, yeah, I'll come pick you up and, and we'll go over. And so like I said, I was like 15, 16 at the time. Um, and I didn't know it, but the church that his his dad was the pastor at the church, but I didn't know it was like a church plant, and so mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a newer church in um, an area called Broad Ripple, which was, you know, just kind of needed church plants <laughs> type of mm-hmm. area. And so we would go there on Sundays. I just remember dressing up and just trying to look nice, you know, and didn't really know much about what uh, the gospel was, but started to listen because I just thought it was like you'd be a good person and maybe God will let you into heaven type of thing but then started to listen to the message and started to hear about Christ dying for my sins and a relationship with God and Jed's dad would always emphasize that you know he would always say we're relational creatures and that God created us to be relational and and so I think that was where it really hit for me that uh, Jesus died for me. Uh, he wanted a relationship with me. Yeah, so I started telling all my friends and um, our church, like I said, it was like a church plant. So it was maybe like 100, 150 people. 
we weren't super big um, and we didn't have a youth ministry. And so we started going to another church, Mount Pleasant Christian Church. Um, and it was a little bit of a drive. It was like 30 minutes, but Jed knew someone there. So we started going there and that became our youth group. It was a bigger church. They had trips and uh, events and summer camps. And so all that stuff was really new to me, but it really was life-changing for me because that's where I met just some, some really great friends and like Rachel. Oblon. Oblon. Yeah. Um, but she was, she was there, um, in the youth ministry. I know she's on campus now, uh, mm -hmm. at Johnson, but she was in the youth ministry. There was Kayla Hurst, just a lot of other people that just kind of came from that youth, youth ministry. It was that started. Yeah. Ryan Fulmer. Yeah. People that love the Lord. And it was just cool to see they, they had this passion for Christ and we're going to Johnson and. And so, yeah, I, I felt a, a strong call when I was 17 that I was supposed to be in youth ministry. And I remember telling uh, one of the youth pastors there at the time, his, his name is Chris Hornbrook, and he just became a really great friend over the years, but he was, he was one of the youth pastors there. And um, he just told me, he's like, I'll support you. I want to do whatever I can to, to encourage you in that. And I ended up doing my first internship with him. He ended up calling me to come plant the church in San Diego here. And I just preached at his church last month. He planted a, another church in Montana. And so it's just cool to see like a lot of those relationships mm -hmm. from back when I was younger are still, still there. And um, yeah, it really were pivotal moments in my spiritual life. Okay, so uh, I, I don't remember you saying uh, Randall, when did you give your life to Christ and what point did, did you make that decision? Yeah, I was, I was 16 and it was through, I think just hearing the gospel, but then also talking with, um, Jed and his brother, them really challenging me on my relationship with Christ, you know, um, and ended up getting baptized at New Paradigm. And yeah, I, it was one of those 180 life transformation type of things where, yeah, I was, I was just inviting all of my friends. I got to baptize some of my friends, that type of, yeah, just life change. So it was, it was really cool. And Laura, what about you? What was, what, what was that point for you? I, it was at Smoky Mountain Christian Camp. I was doing, mm -hmm. I would always do a week of intermediate week with my uncle Spencer and then his best buddy, Larry Woods, <laughs> and they were like team duo. And so we, they would do an intermediate week. I would be a counselor and then I would do a high school week at camp and with my cousin and, and, uh, their youth group at, um, Post Oak Christian Springs church, which I don't mm -hmm. know it's still there or not. I hope it is. Mm -hmm. um, it is. Is it amazing? A very faithful, faithful, um, you know, small church that I think will have a, I know has a heavenly impact. Mm. Um, so anyway, so it was at the intermediate week. I remember it was during the afternoon break. I was in, I really, I think I was eighth grade. Um, Larry Woods, just called me aside and asked if I had some time and asked, started asking me some questions about who I believe God is. And I, it just shared with me about Christ and about sin and, um, and grace and everything about it was just exactly, you know, all the dots were kind of coming together for me and it made sense. And he just took um, probably like a good 30 minutes just to explain things to me. And I could, I don't even remember if I had that many questions because it just sounded so good at that point so it was there I accepted Christ and then the next Sunday I was baptized um, by Uncle Spencer at Post Oak Christian Springs Church really neat experience I mean those Christian camps are special places so that's where we met you know we obviously met on campus at Johnson but then we did the camp teams together uh -huh. and yeah. so 
um, there was two of us, Scott and Carrie, Randall and I, and uh -huh. we set out on kind of like the Northeast. We did like Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania, some amazing uh, camps and churches together. And so we got to do the camp team thing and was uh was Tim Wingfield the director of admissions at the time? Oh yeah, we oh, got yeah. we got the you know, I credit Tim Wingfield with my training as both a human being and, <laughs> and as a representative for any, you know, organization, school. I mean, he he didn't mess around when it came to training. I'm very very grateful for that. So yes, he ran a tight ship. We were mm -hmm. trained, we were given the seal of approval. And we were also given the rule, no dating. No dating. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> come into his office at the end of it, ask for permission if yeah. we could date. He, yeah, he had a picture of our, our, our camp team picture. And he said, like, when did this team become this team? Just in on the two of us. <laughs> yeah, very dramatic. Yeah. yeah, he was, he was happy. And then he ended up marrying us too. Yeah, he did our he wedding. Did oh, our did he? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Tim and Joy. Uh, yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing faithful believers. And so, you now, know. You said the other half of your team was Scott and? Scott and Carrie. Yeah, Scott, uh, Heller, and Scott Carrie. Heller. Yeah, Carrie, Carrie Morris. Morris. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you when you first said that, it's like I thought you said Scott and Mindy, and it's like no, there was no way that that happened. Yeah. That was see that was so fun though because um, Mindy and I were really close. We were we had such a great group of friends there at, at, on campus, so it was really fun to get to travel around with Scott. He's already taken. It was easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it made made it really fun. So we were we were already friends, and then Carrie and I were in the education program together. Yeah, so we we all had a we had a really great time together. We we can sort of see now how both of you made your way to Johnson. Um, so Laura, you had the heavy influence of family and of course the Christian camp. Sorry, I was going to say too. I think one of the biggest the education program at Johnson is is so incredible. Mm -hmm. um, even you know way back decades ago when I went, and so that made the decision so easy. It was like not only do I need to be in a community that's going to um, challenge my faith, grow my faith, where I can be, you know, I I wanted to be sheltered a little bit, you know, that Johnson bubble, I was looking for that. But I also knew the education program was stellar. So I, I felt mm -hmm. like it was a, like a win-win situation. I wasn't having to put my, my dreams of, you know, academic achievements or what I wanted, what I wanted to pursue as a career. I didn't have to put anything on hold because I knew the program was so good. So that, that was really, that, that was, yeah, made it really easy for me. Yeah. Randall, then let's, let's talk a little bit about that Johnson experience. How did your folks, first of all, respond when you said you wanted to go to, you know, you wanted to pursue ministry? Yeah, my dad, he comes from a Catholic background. So he's like, so does that mean you can't get married? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, no, dad, I can still get married. It's cool, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they were super supportive. I mean, my grandparents um, who were Catholic, they ended up becoming supporters of the college over the years. And when Dr. Eubanks went to Hawaii, he my grandparents would take him out to dinner. So it was, there was a, a relationship that started to build there and they started to see the quality of education that I was getting. And, and I think they were, they were proud of, of me and, and my yeah. parents were too. So yeah, the, the ministry side of things, I think still to this day, doesn't always fully make sense, but they are trying, you know. Good. Tell me about then getting to Johnson and uh, what your experience was like there at the school, uh, academically, spiritually, socially. Tell me about some of those things that stick out in your mind from your experience. This is the perfect, it was the perfect time in my life for really strong, healthy friendships that were rooted in Christ. And, um, you know, it just, it's just a cool experience because you, for the most part, you are kind of locked into life together with people who are pursuing a like-minded vision of, of, you know, growing in the kingdom, growing in Christ. So we just, from the very beginning, the, the community was so genuine and 
we started Bible studies together. I remember um, Faith Couch, who's still a dear, dear friend to me. We, we started accountability partners, not just us two, but there was a whole, you know, a whole group, a whole movement together. You get an accountability partner, meet when it's convenient for you. And Faith and I were both, both morning people. So I remember meeting and we um, would met in our, in our floor wing and one of the prayer rooms every morning at like 5 a.m., something like crazy. Oh my ridiculous. goodness. I know. The Johnson experience is almost like opposite of a lot of other college experiences, you know. <laughs> but that's what I did. And so we would we would meet, we'd study scripture, we'd pray together and go on about our day. And that was something I've never had before. Also, just just really good groups that were like co-ed, but then also just just women too that were great. And then yeah, one of the most defining moments too that I still still come back to is a Bible study called Apples of Gold. And it's a mentoring Bible study. And it was a lot of the professor's wives um, mm. that, that, well, let me back up just a little bit. So I think the Bible study was brought to one of the professor's wives by a student who had lost her mother and was looking for some kind of mentoring. And so mm it was cool that a student brought this up and they were, they were game for it. I, I don't remember what the parameters were, but it was kind of a tight knit group. It was maybe like 20 girls. So you kind of had to commit to a six week study, but um, we would meet in the different professors, wives, houses every, oh my goodness. I can't even remember if it was like once a month or every other week. And there was hospital, a hospitality piece, there was a cooking piece, there was a Bible study piece to it. So we were getting this mentorship by, by these amazing women. I remember Nancy Eubanks was a part of it and just so many other remarkable women that opened up their homes to us. And I have all the recipes from them and I learned how to <laughs> bake bread and all sorts of neat things. So that was, that was really, really special um, mm -hmm. all right there on campus. Randall, what about you spiritually? What do you remember? I think for me, it was refreshing. I went to public school. And so going into a classroom and praying before the class started was really uh, pretty eye-opening for me, being able to be in, in Bible classes. And I felt like for me, it was the first, first time, like, you know, school was all right. But, you know, like school at Johnson was great because it was something that I wanted to know. Mm -hmm. I wanted to grow in the word. I wanted to grow in my character. I wanted to grow mm -hmm. um, just as a disciple, you know? And so whatever class it was, whether it was like the marriage and family class, or it was just, <laughs> you know, like one of the Bible classes that we were in, I, I loved it because I didn't grow up with that. And mm -hmm. It was for me coming to Christ when I was in high school, I felt almost like a fish out of water because I'm like trying to soak up as much as I can to know who Jesus is, know God's word, then jumping into going to Bible college. It's like I'm surrounded by professors who studied the Bible for a lot of their lives. And, and so it was really cool just to be able to ask questions and be around people that like what I was saying that they were like serious about their faith, you know, and I mean, still got friends this day that I talk with Eric Ferguson. I just talked to Josh Cooper the other day and Josh was somebody who was just one of those friends, you know, that you just call mm -hmm. up over the years in ministry. And, and so, yeah, I've, I've got like a lot of different memories of just being there on campus. And like what I said, just, having those um those times of prayer with people in the dorm just conversations about life trying to figure out you know even struggles that i had like being honest for maybe the first time like yeah these are issues or these are struggles that i have and being able to talk about how christ transforms you you know and yeah so i think that was that was really just a important time in my life for sure. Right. Right. I have another big one too. Week of evangelism. Mm -hmm. well, I feel like Johnson did such a beautiful job at bringing so many people in 
to the community from all around the world. Pretty remarkable because it's such a small school, but again, like in the body of Christ, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's reflective of every nation, every tribe, every tongue. So mm-hmm. from people that we went to uh, school with, like there were several people who were missionary kids. And that was really, that was really enlightening learning about their countries and cultures. Um, yeah just learning about different parts of the world and what ministry looks like and what it means to be a Christian over there. And I just learned so much about, um, I think a fire with passion was lit about. Well, yes. yeah. And, and she yeah. was the one that inspired me to go on my first mission trip to Haiti with. Yeah. Ashley and Weldon. Yeah. No. Well, did they go? Oh goodness. No, no, no. We went <laughs> Ashley and Weldon. We went to Mexico. Juarez. Yeah. To Casas yeah. Cristo. Well, you did, we did, um, I did Puerto Rico twice, um, which my parents also went to Puerto Rico when they were students. So that was mind blowing. <laughs> so that was really fun again, cause I could take the education piece and that, that mm-hmm. was it for me. It wasn't just, um, it was like going and sharing faith, but it was also bringing a skill set of being able to educate and teach very valid and, um, gave you entry yeah. into so many different communities without trying to. Right you know, you're not trying to, um, hide your cards or anything like that. And so that was really, really special. So, uh, Puerto Rico, we went to China. I I did an internship in Japan, Okinawa, Japan, Mexico. I went to, um, Cambodia. I think it just being at Johnson, like the week of evangelism too, was really, really impactful. And I remember just making so many excuses of like, why I couldn't go well it's too expensive or whatever it might be and and laura just challenging me on that and just saying like trust Mm -hmm. god and every time god provided we went yeah we went to so that was my first mission trip okay it was haiti yeah then like some of my best friends from johnson were from haiti so joel Jean. oh yeah yeah and benji uh, josue yeah uh dukins and so all of them were like my really tight friends we played on the soccer team and stuff so yeah it was mm-hmm. powerful stuff. it was like authentic it was genuine yeah. it wasn't just like we're just gonna go and drop into some random community or some christian church even though that wouldn't necessarily have to be random but it there were personal connections that have been established for years prior right in such a way that these, that these communities have been so effective, so affected by the gospel and by their connection with Johnson, that they're now sending students to Johnson Mm -hmm. coming back for these trips. And it just felt very organic and genuine and, and just like two thumbs up all the way around. (laughs) I'm assuming that your uh, time in Puerto Rico was with Robert Young. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, um, <laughs> yeah, Puerto Rican Christian School, uh, lo- a lot of wonderful and fundraising. So this is a great segue into church. Oh, yeah. So it also gave us the opportunity to start, you know, try to fundraise from from families, um, ask for prayer support, um, financial support. That was that was quite challenging. Yeah, it's a step of faith. For but sure. it was definitely. Mm-hmm. So that that was a, another experience to add to, to all of that that would serve us really well later on in life. Going back to your time at Johnson, I want each of you to give me three three faculty members that jump out. Norm Dungan, he was just so consistent and such a. I remember when he talked about humility one time. It just it changed my view of it. He's like you know humility, mm. not just like talking down to yourself. It's the, it's the C.S. Lewis almost, but like the thinking less of yourself type of thing. And that really stuck with me because we were on a mission trip in Mexico. And just to see him like on the ground, like getting his hands dirty. And um, he really inspired me. And so I took Spanish class with him too. But Doc Reese was somebody too that really lit a passion in me for God's word, the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And somebody that sticks out to me is Gerald Mattingly. Like I loved oh. Gerald Mattingly like, and Carl Bridges too. Yeah. I love too. Cheater, he got a fourth one in. <laughs> yeah, I got a fourth one in there. But yeah. one thing about Gerald Mattingly, and this is like, this is going back to like the character thing. But I remember 
there we were going to go take a test and there was like this bonus question that he like put out there but you had to like go to the library and look it up and all this other stuff and so I remember on the way up everybody was talking about like this is the answer and so I didn't go to the library and look it up but I remember like hearing it and I was like all right and so I remember seeing it on the end of the test and I just put it down you know I was like all right I know here's the answer whatever turn it in and he gets the end of the 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 test everybody's hanging in and he 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 asked he said um did you go to the library and look it up and I just remember I was like uh yeah I did <laughs> and then I felt so convicted afterwards I emailed him and was like hey I lied to you I didn't look that up at the library and I'm really sorry <laughs> and I, I just you know I heard it on the way up we were talking about it and he messaged me back and he said um you know that is really the true test mm -hmm. is the character and he just like encouraged me like hey you know just basically the gospel you know what i mean like yeah yeah you lied you know but <laughs> mm -hmm. grace is sufficient for you and i think that stuck with me for sure because i was like it wasn't just yeah you got the right bible answers and you can put them all down on a page but want you to be people of character you know want mm -hmm. you to be people who represent christ well in the world because you're carrying this beautiful message of jesus and we need to look like jesus you know mm -hmm. so that stuck with me but carl bridges too was the man well i was on the education track so mm -hmm. a lot of my time academically was a blur they had us um fully stretched fully committed so um the staff there uh dr templer of course um, you know, I remember we would talk, we would walk around campus at night and we would, there would be two lights on. It'd be Dr. Templer's office and Tim Wingfield's office light. <laughs> they often had the, uh, not the, like uh, the friendliest reputation, you know, as somebody who could like, mm -hmm. up to. but there they were, you know, early morning hours, uh, late evening hours. And, um, I, I definitely have benefited from from the program that she really designed and I'm very grateful for it. So yeah, Dr. Patton, Mrs. Gerhart. And then I remember Jody Owen's passion for teaching the Bible. He just was a firecracker. I remember him just being mm -hmm. like a jumping bean, just, you know, so excited <laughs> um, about uh, the scriptures. I remember, you know, scripture twisting that, that class was really, was really formative for me. And then one mm -hmm. professor, I'm so embarrassed. I don't remember his name right now. He was one of our graduate professors. He was a, um, okay, I can tell you all of these random facts about him. So I know he went to school with my mom, but he, he was really into orchids. He had his doctorate. He also taught at UT. He did like our, like my research classes for the masters. He was an artist at Dollywood. But I remember he, um, he had such a passion and joy for Christ, but also the community, the greater Knoxville area community. I appreciated that he was a professor at UT as well. So mm -hmm. that was really helpful to know that we were getting, I felt like we were getting the best academic, you know, professors who were teaching, you know, in secular colleges as well. Yeah. And then he was also really active in the community, which I really appreciated. And he was just fun. He had, he had fun with his, his lectures. You know, something that you said there, Randall, about, um, emailing the professor and saying, hey, I lied to you. It, it's like, to me, that was part of what Johnson did was it, it helped us grow. You know, it, it helped our faith grow. And, you know, could you have imagined yourself as a ninth grade, 10th grade, going to your high school teacher and saying, hey, you know, I, I cheated on that. I, I mean, that's part of what the academic experience at a faith-based school like Johnson is about, is it's yeah, it's more than just the academic growth; it's the spiritual growth. And yeah, that's the metaphor for the whole Christian life too—bringing light into the darkness. And you think mm. that it's going to wreck you, but instead, it it breathes new life into who you are and and your relationship with Christ and others. Yeah. Tell me how you all discerned what your first step was after leaving Johnson. Where did you go? What did you do? And what have been the steps along your journey up to where you are now? Yeah, that first step 
for me and and, and Laura discerning that together because we were on that track to get married, but I think we decided we wanted to graduate first and then get married. And so that's what we did. And I needed more hands-on ministry experience. And so I did a couple internships in Hawaii at a small church there that my grandmother goes to. And and that was that was good, but I felt like I needed more experience checking out a couple different opportunities and ended up going to a church, Eastview Christian Church in Illinois. And the guy that I got connected with there was my friend, Chris, who was my youth pastor. And he's like, come do an internship with me. So I think I was getting maybe like 50 bucks a week or something like that. (laughs) Uh, But he found us like I was living in somebody's basement and just doing an internship with college young adults. So he started, I was, um, I, my program finished up in July or the end of June. So he started there right after school, he went out and started that ministry experience and then came back. We got married in Knoxville and then we went back out together. For Laura. Uh, internship was just about a year. So by the time I got out there, a little less than a year. So I knew probably wasn't going to be good for teaching since we, 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 it was kind of like an intermediate year. And right. um, I got a job at Starbucks and that was really fun because <laughs> you know how it is. Once you get out of school, you're like, I don't want to do any school right now. <laughs> so that was a fun little stint. And I still, I still, um, you know, reflect on that. So I got a job as just like a shift supervisor. And then I was the assistant manager and I was um, on track to be the store manager uh, opened up a store there in normal Illinois. So that was really fun. And so we started prayerfully considering where we we're going to go next. And I knew that I was called to be in youth ministry. That's where God saved me. And so I really wanted to pour back into youth that were mm. like me, that were far from God. And so I was looking at some different opportunities and Laura and I were praying about it. And I went to this youth it was a youth conference. Re- it was a revival it was a yeah it's like youth revival or something somebody invited me um to come by and i think they wanted me to interview to be a youth pastor there but ended up meeting tim wingfield's brother paul who was the mm. speaker there it was a quick interaction i just basically said yeah i know your brother he did our wedding and kind of left it at that and then a week later, he called me up and said, hey, I just wanted to uh, see what you're passionate about. And so I said, high school students, uh, discipleship. And he said, wow, that's interesting. We're looking for a high school discipleship pastor at the church. At the time, it's called Savannah Christian Church in Savannah, Georgia. We went there and I interviewed and not too long after that got the position they were looking for somebody who was younger didn't have a whole lot of ministry experience they had some um, youth pastors that were there that had a lot of experience and so they wanted like pour in and maybe could be the next youth pastor junior high high school whatever but yeah that's that's what took us to Savannah Georgia and we were there for eight and a half years and then I started, um, I taught second grade there at Richmond Hill Elementary School. Yeah. It was a great, great school. And then I also took a little break in between and I was, I did children's ministry at Savannah Christian. Huh. We were starting yeah. Children, yeah, downtown yeah, a downtown campus. campus. So mm-hmm. um, I, I came in as the director and launched that children's ministry and then um, ended up going back to the classroom. Okay, so tell me about then this uh, transition from Savannah to the opposite coast. Probably about year six, six and a half, right in there, I started sensing that God was doing something new and different and like was calling calling us to something, but I didn't really quite know what it was. Um, so I remember talking with our lead pastor and just saying, you know, I, I don't know what God has for me next. He's like, well, you know, maybe it could be something here. And 
you know, we prayed about it together, gave me some different opportunities to do like campus pastor type of things. Um, and I was leading the, the youth ministry at the time, which I look back on and just have so many fond memories of like uh, just being a youth pastor, but just was sensing that something different was coming. And so, so I was, yeah, I was praying and Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 really spoke to me. It was trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge mm -hmm. him, he'll make your path straight. And so not too long after that, my my friend Chris, who I was telling you about at the beginning, who was the youth pastor that I did the uh, internship with. I have to pause you there before you get to that point. This was yeah. the season of closed doors, and this was the most frustrating, just really discouraging time. And I know I've never met someone who has not gone through a season of what is next, God. And you're in that, you're in that turmoil. Of, mm -hmm. I know it's not what I'm doing right now, but I don't know what next. And then you're in yeah. that position where you're, you're just, you don't want to leave anyone hanging. You don't want to leave ministry hanging, but you don't know how to wrap things up. And so it was a time he kept getting, um, there's different friends that would say, oh, this is a perfect position for you. Come on out and interview for it. It's just perfect, you know? And that happened just time and time again. I mean, three fierce times where you take the weekend, you go to the church, you do the interview. And even his friend at one point was like, what happened? <laughs> like, I don't know. So it was just door after door after door that was closed. You know, hindsight now, I know that, well, we can reflect that that's how God is speaking to us, like to, to show yeah. us like, not this path, not this path, not this path. Mm. And then finally, and I, I remember where you were sitting, like when you got the text from, from Chris, the phone call, they were in a big blizzard or something. He had messaged me before on Facebook and just like, would you ever consider planning a church? And it's like, man, that's a great vision you have, but yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't think that's for me, you know, um, that eventually I started diving into the word and, and reading more about um, church planting and started to get a passion for, for planting churches. And that's where the Lord didn't just convict me, but also Laura. Yeah, I was very positive that I was never one going to marry a preacher and two plan a church. Like that was, I was pretty firm on those two things. God took us through this season of just going deeper in the gospel, what, what it means to believe mm -hmm. in the gospel. And we just, we couldn't read enough. We couldn't talk to enough people. We couldn't pray enough. It was just was, we were just ravenous um, for his word. And then we would get together at night and like, I just, I can't wait to tell you what I was, you know, what I just <laughs> learned or I just read, no way, me too. And then I heard this message. Oh, share that with me. So it yeah. just was such a work of the Holy Spirit because it, the exact same things that, that I was growing in in my heart were what he was growing in. And then he was, you know, many steps ahead of me. So <laughs> that worked out really well. So it, that was just a really beautiful, edifying time. And then mm -hmm. I learned, yeah, I was really had a gross misconception of what church planning is. I thought it was, you know, we're going to come in here and show you how church is done right. I, I didn't, I, I really you know we went back to 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 paul and and his you know planning of the churches and yeah. it just was <clears throat> and um, i think for us just being in an environment where there were a lot of churches yeah. and then coming here and seeing whoa there's it's hard to find like churches you can't find a church on every corner type of thing here um but also like a a church that contextualize yeah contextualize and is reaching the community and, and making a difference and, and trying to make disciples that are being able to take the gospel into their workplaces or wherever they're going and so yeah I think that was something that started to stick out to us and so we ended up coming to San Diego and I just told my friend I was like we'll come out on our own dime like I don't want to waste any money or time I just want to see if there's a need there and we came out and we we're like, this is this, there's, there's, a, there's a need, there's a need for more churches. There's a need for more church planting to happen here. And so I think that's where we started to get really excited about that next step. And the crazy part is that Chris, who I was working with when I first started out of Johnson, 
And then another guy, Brandon, who ended up taking over that ministry for Chris in Illinois, but was friends with him, had planted churches out here. So it was like all of that time in Illinois, like ended up, you know, being so pivotal for us being here 15 years later or something like that. Yeah. And those relationships were really important. Yeah. And uh, the timing too of the really strong Christian community that really sent us Savannah Christian church. It's now compassion Christian church to be in a place where they had the resources, time, money, prayer to support and the desire to support a church plant. So that was, it's just, you know, you look at your journey and you think, I don't, we really couldn't have that that church and those people, Mm -hmm. those faithful Christians who, who were there and, um, And they've come and sent uh, teams out here now to work with us too. And um, so those lines of uh, communication are, are, you know, they're still strong and those relationships, but it's just neat to see how the body of Christ, that kingdom is um, it's, you know, I think Tim Keller, or I know Dr. Tim Keller says, if we knew what God knew, we would want what God wants. And it's really don't have the full picture, but God's orchestrating everything. Sometimes we get a glimpse of it, which is very encouraging. And so I think that church planning, the success that we've had church planning, um, a lot of it is attributed to the faithful Christians that walked with us during that, that time. I think our, our worship leader, he would, when I met him, he was an eighth grader. <clears throat> now he's married and uh, has a child. And yeah, yeah so I, I've seen God orchestrate, give him all the glory for that. Well, when we decided to move out to San Diego, we... We moved close to the initial church that had been planted, Momentum Christian Church in um, in the South Bay. So that was a that's a lovely suburb, Chula Vista, East Lake area. So we lived there and um, just prayed. We just took five six months to drive around to different the different parts of San Diego. It's called the City of Neighborhoods. So there's just so many different areas that you drive through that are that have their own unique um, culture people you know just different vibe and so we would just spend time driving and praying and just saying is this is this where you know is this where we feel called and um chris hornbrook was really good about statistics too running all the statistics you know this is how many people in our city this is how many churches we have and once we landed on the part of the city that we are in university city randall i mean by the grace of god he just connected us with so many wonderful people he did his doctoral um, dissertation on the university city. So he mm. was able to give us all this like information. And he was actually, he had planted a church here and he was going back to, or he was going to Newark, New Jersey to plant another church out there. So he was in a sense, like passing the t- baton to Randall, even though it was a different church. He did so many like introductions in our community and vouched for Randall. This is my friend. And you can trust him. <laughs> and um, and then all of that hard work that went into really understanding a community is it was invaluable. I've had a lot of fun, but I have to ask you two more questions before I let you go. I know that we've spent all kinds of time, but uh, question one: uh, What is something that you've learned over the course of your life that you would really wish to pass on to others? Don't play it too safe. Yeah, don't be afraid to take risks. I mean, because at the end of the day, if we are, if we have really entrusted Christ with our lives to rule and reign and guide us, you know, those those moments where you do want to have your your plan, there's nothing wrong with that. But you you feel it. You feel conviction from the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and uh, when you feel like you can't, and my my favorite verse is is Paul, Second Corinthians when I am weak, then he is strong. So his strength is made perfect in our weakness. I think knowing that in those, in those moments, that's when um, your faith is stretched and you have an opportunity to pursue Christ and to know him better and to mm-hmm. your faith to be stretched when you can, yeah, loosen up the reins a little bit and not, not, not try to have, not try to have every answered, every question answered. Good. Randall, you have a, have anything to add to that? Don't take yourself too seriously and, and take Christ way more seriously. One of my 
struggles, I think, especially early on in ministry, was just feeling like I had to prove myself in some way or another and got to the point where I can blame it on the environment, but I think it was like internally too. Mm. I had allowed myself to put this pressure on and take myself way too seriously to be the best leader, to be the best communicator, to do any anything and everything to try and be the best at. And I think what happened was I got to a place where I wasn't burnt out, but I, I could have got burnt out. Kind of like we talked about earlier, like this rediscovery of the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of who Jesus is, that he wants a relationship with me. And it took me back to that 16-year-old kid who met Christ for the first time. And I had to go back to the basics of that and remembering that Christ is what matters most learning more of like how to just rest in what Christ has done for me. That's what I would want to pass on to anyone. Very good. Excellent. Okay. Last question. Uh, I'm going to give you a moment to think about while I offer a commercial. Uh, imagine if you will, that for the next 60 seconds, everybody in the world is listening to the podcast. So you have 60 seconds to address everyone in the world. What are you going to do with the 60 seconds you're given? While you think about your answer, let me remind our listeners that the Sojournal Podcast has been brought to you by the Alumni Association of Johnson University. Whether you graduated from Central Florida Bible College, Johnson Bible College, Florida Christian College, or Johnson University, you are a part of the alumni family. Join the Alumni Association and help encourage and equip alumni and students as they pursue kingdom-focused vocations. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash alumni. So Randall and Laura Tanini, who are currently working in San Diego, California, uh, doing church planning work in a multi-ethnic area, thank you so much for sharing your journey, your family, uh, your time with me today. But uh, th this has been fun. I really am anxious to know what you would tell the world in 60 seconds. I spoke recently at a, at a gathering of international students and looking around the room, I'm seeing people from all over the world. And what struck me was that when, when God's word says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It struck me that the world is all around us. There's people from all over. We, we need that in our lives. All, it's, it's, it's a human need. It's a need for every human being, every creation of God. So see that right in front of me and to know that, that God loves so much that he gave it just reminds me that it's not going to be what i can give for god but it's truly what he gave for me and he gave everything he gave his son jesus and and that message is for the world okay laura your turn give me 60 seconds what are you going to tell the world in the psalms it says that the heavens declare the glory of the lord his handiwork are all around us and so as we meet people, we want to introduce them to the Savior, but also knowing that we are not the Savior, that that work of saving is not on our shoulders. Um, his creation is all around us. And he, you know, he challenges, to, challenges us to ask questions and he puts us into community with each other. So being, being there to point people to the Savior, but knowing that the Holy Spirit is going to do that heavy lifting of, of mm -hmm. speaking to the hearts of each uniquely created person. We can't answer all those questions, and we're not meant to, but we are meant to direct them to his word, which will always point back to, point back to Jesus. And, and so that, that is important that we are pointing people to Jesus. It's not, um, we don't leave that to the side. Um, but we also don't have to convince them of anything either because it's in their time. Um, you know, that's not our job and we'll do a really poor job of convincing them. 
And I, I, I've heard it said that what is sown in the flesh has to be sustained by the flesh, but what is sown in the spirit is sustained by the spirit. And that just mm. always created the most beautiful imagery in my mind of um, the work being continually done in the right way by the Holy Spirit. And uh, in Second Corinthians, Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The upside-down kingdom of portraying yourself as, as strong and having all the answers is not the gospel. The gospel is um, we are weak but strong in Christ. And um, it's in that position of humility that, that Christ can um, do what he does best. So, Laura, thank you so much for that answer. Randall, thank you as well for, for your answer. Uh, neither one of you lasted or, or stuck to that one-minute confine, but that's okay. It was all good stuff. I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Thank you so much for being my guest today on the Sojournal Pod. Thanks, Tyson. Thank you so much for having us, Tyson. And thank you to the alumni that helped fund um, this great podcast to, to share share the name of Jesus and and um and the, the wonderful community of Johnson University as well. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. God bless you guys. The Sojourner Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University. Edited by Lena Gavorsky. Podcast graphics by Rachel Woolard. Music by Loyal Love. Tune in to other Sojournal podcasts dropping normally weekly on Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening.